Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. It's so good to be with you, and it's been a while that we've been face-to-face on video. I'm so thrilled about that. I pray that you're well. And, um, you know, um, uh, Bishop Strickland has spoken about the Holy Father undermining the deposit of faith, but it, it seems he's gone further than that, that he is if he could, and he cannot, but if he could, he would destroy the faith. Because we are, uh, all of us, but none more than the Holy Father as our vicar on earth and our chief shepherd under Christ, um, ordered our great commission to proclaim, that was the, um, the gospel reading this past Sunday on Trinity Sunday, um, to preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, And uh, our Lord said in another passage that when the gospel is preached to every creature, then the end will come. Uh, The Holy Father has joined hands by his own word, with words and recent speech, with the um, um, SDG, uh, oh, now I'm forgetting, uh, James, do you know, um, development uh, goals, what's the S now? I'm so sorry, the, um, um, okay, I'm sorry, it's the speech you gave to the UN, I, you probably know, I'll look it up if I, I can't find it now on the break, but it is the um, the development goals of the UN and all the nations joined in this one world government movement. And he has said that every parish, every priest, everyone, every Catholic needs to join in with this. Um, Sustainable is what the S is, sustainable development goals. And the only way the sustainable development goals can be achieved is through abortion and contraception. And the Pope has said so. Uh, Not in that sentence, but uh, he's speaking about pro-abortion and contraception. Joining in with the world's um, global world movement. I'm just sick about it. It, You know, this has been done subtly now for a few years. But for him to come out with that in his speech not mention God once, not mention our Lord Jesus Christ, not mention the gospel, but only say that the way to peace is for all religions to become part of these sustainable development goals, and then we'll have peace. Um, To take care of the earth, to reach out to the poor, all of that, nothing to do with the gospel. Not that we shouldn't take care of the poor, but his message is secular. And um, it, it is, you know, I, 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 he's baptized Catholic, but at the very 
most he's a fallen away Catholic uh, and betraying his uh, priesthood um, and the fact that he is to lead the sheep uh, to heaven because he's not doing that at all. So I tell you these things grieve me no end. Grieve me no end. If he does it behind the scenes and but now he's completely outspoken about it. Uh, the article is on LifeSite News. I might bring it up during the break to read part of it to you. But it was yesterday's online LifeSite News, uh, the summary of his speech in different quotes. And it makes me ill. Every time I see, dear ones, a teacher fired or a student um, put out of school, because they happen to mention gender, boy, girl, man, woman, and they don't call people on these uh, umpteen pronouns that they want to be called. Some get arrested, they get fired, they get put out. Um, Evil is utterly blanketing our world, dear ones. And I've been um, kind of trying to warn everybody, not because I have the only information, I have less information that uh, less uh, less information than most people have but but it's all out there it's all in the news it's utterly utterly evil and if you're still sending your children to public school um i've heard one parent after another i see videos of parents fighting the school boards because of um transgender uh, um, sexual education um, all of this uh, that must be taught to the children must be taught to the children no matter how old five-year-olds sexual promiscuity sexual acts they watch it pornography they watch it um uh, I got an email recently from a um, supposedly traditional Catholic group who serves the traditional Mass. They assisted the traditional Mass. I don't know how you can get more traditional than that in the church. And yet they sent out an email on modesty with a link to a company that is making modest clothes for women. And it's no different than the world. It's no different than the world. Uh, it's little, I should say. Some of the, some of the clothes for women are, are acceptable, but it's little different than the world. It, it makes me ill. Now they're teaching mothers how to dress their children modestly. And the clothes are immodest. And I don't think they know it. They wouldn't do it if they knew it. You see, we're frogs in warm water. We're frogs in warm water. We've gotten so used to the evil that we live in, to the world we live in. We say, well, at least we don't do that. At least we don't do that. What's our judgment? Our, Our comparison is not the world. It's what our Lord has said. And, um... Not only are we failing as Christians to <clears throat> preach the gospel to the world, not only by words, but 
by deeds and actions and how we live, how we speak, how we dress, our values, all of that. We are failing. We have a mission to bring the gospel to the world, not just the Holy Father, not just priests or cardinals or bishops. We, beloved, have a mission to bring the gospel to the world and to live our faith in the midst of the world. And so just as Israel in the past was a peculiar people, we are a peculiar people. Why was Israel peculiar? Because God gave them certain laws. They had to keep food, dress, even the material of their clothing was different. Um, their days of worship, what they've done, what they didn't do, uh, how they worshiped, all of that was different. And they were to come apart from the world. And they were apart from the world, but they still failed miserably because they also began to mix with the world. We are not to be a peculiar people in the midst of the world living on our own. We are to be a peculiar people going out to the ends of the earth. And why are we peculiar? Because we live as loving, upright, moral, modest uh, people, God's people. And you can tell when someone belongs to God. You can tell that. And you cannot tell us. Go out into the world. You will not separate Catholics, for the most part, from the world. There's no separation. And as I've said before, Sunday the stores are filled with Catholics shopping. Restaurants are filled with Catholic shopping, which asks other people to serve them, to serve us on the day that's supposed to be set aside for God. Well, we do set aside for God, people say. We go out as a family, the restaurant. Well, what about the people that own the restaurant and the, and the uh, waiters that need to work? Yeah, but they, that's their choice to work, not necessarily. If you go and work as a waiter or waitress, you don't have a choice to get Sundays off. That's the busiest day, and it's our fault that it's the busiest day. And if they refuse to work on Sunday in some jobs, they'll be fired. That's our fault. We should never be in a restaurant or a store or even a park if it operates a merry-go-round on Sunday. We could be in the park. We shouldn't ride the merry-go-round. If we stop giving the world business on what God has told us is our day of rest to worship him, we retreat from the world. We can be in it, but not of it. And if, if we stop doing that, people will close. Stores will close. I spent uh, several, a few years in Canada growing up in my high school years. And uh, well, I'm not sure if the stores were closed still on Sunday. Um, they were when my relatives grew up. And most stores were closed here on Sunday. And we have failed God. We have failed society. We have failed one another. And um, the more that keeps happening that's worse, uh, the degradation that keeps happening, we just continue going our merry way, shopping at the stores, promoting LBGTQ because they're convenient for us. We make no difference in the world. It's tragic, beloved. Um, and we are going to reap the fruit of what we are failing to do. We'll be right back after the break.
Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition and as such is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, uh, my dear producer James found the article on LifeSafe, but I think I've summed things up to you. So um, I've, I'd like to go to return us to the food for our life, the food for our faith, which is the Catechism Explained, the Catechism of Trent, fully explained. And again, the current Catechism, the most recent, rather, uh, from Vatican II uh, is uh, fine on the faith for the most part, um, but it's a, it was a pastoral council uh, teaching us how to live the faith. But uh, Trent was a doctrinal council, and that's what we wish. And because everything in there is from the deposit of faith, it cannot change. I'd like to begin Chapter 7 on the Catechism Explained. It's titled on the absence and loss of faith, which is what we are in the middle of in society today. <clears throat> Reverend Sparago, who comments, says, Faith is the road to heaven. Unhappily, there are very many who are wanderers and strangers to the Christian faith. And what I've said this morning, dear ones, there are many within the Christian faith who appear to be wanderers and strangers to it or outright betrayers of it. 
He says, those who do not possess Christian faith are either heretics or infidels. Now, I'm, I can't make a judgment on anyone's heart. God is the judge of the heart. Heretics are those who reject some one or more of the truths revealed by God. Heretics are those who hold to some of the doctrines revealed by God and reject others. <clears throat> those who induce others to a false belief are called leaders of heresy or arch heretics. It is always pride that leads them away from the truth. Among these arch heretics was Arius, a priest of Alexandria who denied the divinity of Christ and was condemned at the Council of Nicaea in AD 325. <clears throat> Macedonius, who denied the divinity of the Holy Spirit and was condemned in the Council of Constantinople in 381. Martin Luther, who assailed the divine institution of the papacy and the right of the church to teach. Henry VIII, King of England, who threw off the authority of the Pope and proclaimed himself the head of the church in England because the Pope refused to declare invalid his valid marriage with Queen Catherine. Dollinger, who was a professor in the University of Munich and was celebrated for his literary labors, but on the definition of the infallibility of the Pope, refused to accept the dogma and was excommunicated. And because of our, I'll, I'll break here just to uh, comment, because of our, I say, tragic situation in the church with our very Pope going against the faith and um, not preaching the gospel, uh, does that mean what he says is infallible? It does not. Um, the gift of infallibility, in a sense, is a negative gift. And it was given um, to, uh, and, and says, that when the Pope uh, speaks ex cathedra, or some people pronounce it ex cathedra, meaning out, cathedra is the chair, ex out, out of the chair of Peter. When he speaks from the chair of Peter, ex out or from the chair of Peter, um, and when he speaks from that chair, a doctrine of faith or morals, okay, uh, trying, uh, Pope telling us we have to take care of the earth is neither faith nor morals. Um, although it's good moral that we take care of the earth, but, but that's not the gospel. So when a Pope speaks from the chair of Peter um, on a matter of faith or morals, here's the, the last point that's crucial that is binding on the faithful, if he binds something of the gospel or of faith and morals on the faithful, then the gift of infallibility applies because our Lord protects us. So, for example, the Pope cannot uh, tell us uh, infallibly to be part of climate change or... Um, involve ourselves in pro-abortion um, ideology for sustainable development goals. He cannot tell us that. He can tell us that, but we pay no attention to it because it's false. Um, but it, when they give us the Pope a matter of faith and morals and that he binds on the faithful that we must believe 
um, for fear of hell, we must believe it, then the gift of infallibility uh, doesn't say that the Pope has spoken truth. What it is, is God preventing him from speaking error. So if the Pope ever binds anything of faith and morals on the faithful to believe, if it's binding, God will protect us from the Pope ever giving us anything that's false that he binds on us. He cannot. That's what the gift of infallibility is. Um, so let me just see. Um, that was Dollinger, who was a professor in the University of Munich and was celebrated for his literary labors, but on the definition of the infallibility of the Pope, refused to accept the dogma and was excommunicated. He died in 1890 without being reconciled or giving any sign of repentance. Dollinger was the chief mover in the establishment of the sect of old Catholics, quote, unquote, old Catholics. Most of the founders of heresy were either bishops or priests. They are like the coiners of false money who put into circulation worthless metal in the place of the pure gold of truth, or like dishonest traders who mix the pure wine of the gospel with some injurious compound. Well, that's what I think Pope Francis is doing, mixing the pure wine of the gospel with some injurious compound by tying the church to the world's sustainable development goals, which at every turn... um, has a major focus on abortion and contraception. And Reverend Spirago continues here, they are murderers of souls. That's why I've, if I look um, sick emotionally, it's because I am. It's awful. They are murderers of souls, for they take men away from the road that leads to eternal life and tempt them into that which leads to eternal death. It is of them that our Lord says, Woe to them by whom scandals come. And again, beware of false prophets who come to you in the clothing of sheep, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Their object is not to spread the faith in its purity, but to satisfy their own evil inclinations, their pride, their sensual desires, or their love of money. Their religious teaching is only a cloak for these. They look out for the weak side of human nature as Satan does. Thus Luther attempted princes. Luther tempted princes with the spoil of churches and monasteries and priests with the bait of marriage. To the class of heretics belong also those schismatics who accept or profess to accept all Catholic doctrine but will not acknowledge the supremacy of the Holy See. Thus, the Greek church is a schismatical church, though its denial of papal infallibility constitutes it. um, Let me reread that. Thus, the Greek church is a schismatical church, though its denial of papal infallibility constitutes it, since the Vatican Council, heretical also. Her heresy is one of the greatest of all sins when it is not the result of invincible ignorance. 
St. Paul writes to the Galatians that if an angel from heaven preached to them any gospel different from that they had received, he was to be anathema, in other words, accursed. St. Jerome says that there is no one so far removed from God as a willful heretic. I can't make judgments on the Holy Father, beloved, but it's frightening that these words may apply to him. Reverence Barago goes on and says at the same time, he who lives in heresy through ignorance for which he is not himself to blame is not a heretic in the sight of God. Well, I don't believe, um, I can't imagine at least that any pope um, lives in heresy through ignorance. Thus, those who are brought up in Protestantism, for example, and have no opportunity of obtaining a sufficient instruction in the Catholic religion, they are not heretics in the sight of God, for in them there is no obstinate denial or doubt of the truth. They are no more heretics than the man who takes the property of another unwittingly is a thief. I hope that's clear, beloved. Rationalists or unbelievers are those who will not believe anything unless they can either perceive it with their senses or comprehend it with their understanding. Thus, St. Thomas was an unbeliever when he refused to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ unless he should put his finger into the sacred wounds of our Lord's hands and feet and put his hand into his side. There are many in the present day like St. Thomas They will believe nothing except what they can see with their eyes or grasp with their reason. All else, all the mysteries of the faith, they reject. Unbelief, says St. John Chrysostom, is like a sandy soil that produces no fruit, however much rain falls upon it. The unbeliever does God the same injustice that a subject would do his king if he refused to acknowledge his authority in spite of the clearest proofs of it. Unbelief springs, for the most part, from a bad life. The sun is clearly reflected in pure and clear water, but not in dirty water. So it is with men. A man of blameless life easily finds his way to the truth, but the sensual man does not perceive the things that are of the Spirit of God. A mirror that is dim reflects badly, or not at all. So the soul, which is a mirror on which the light falls from God, cannot receive the truths of faith if it is dimmed by vice. There's the music for our second break, beloved. We'll be back right after the break. We'll have an entire half hour to ourselves. Um... Uh, with to call in or email with anything on your heart, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. We'll be right back.
is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for June 7th. Today we celebrate Blessed Franz Jägerstetter. As a young man in St. Rodigan, Austria, Franz was a natural leader who loved to ride his motorcycle. He'd been adopted as a boy by the Jägerstetter family following his father's death in World War I. After a minor run-in with the local authorities and a stint working in the mines, Franz became a farmer, got married, and resolved to live his faith with a quiet but intense conviction. In 1938, Austria was annexed into Germany, and Franz was drafted into the Austrian army. Though personally opposed to Germany's aggression, Franz's pastor, other priests, and even the Bishop of Linz urged him not to refuse to serve. After several deferments, Franz was called into active duty in the winter of 1943. When he refused to take the oath of loyalty to the Fuhrer, Franz was imprisoned in Linz. Three months later, he was transferred to a Berlin prison. On August 9, 1943, Franz was beheaded and immediately cremated. After the war in 1946, Franz's ashes were reburied in St. Rodegund, where a memorial had been erected to the 60 village men who died during their military service. Franz Jägerstetter was beatified in 2007. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Our family had been going through crisis Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. Our lines are wide open. I invite you to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart, toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Our dear James found the article on LifeSite News that I was referring to, James, you got the right one, and the title is, <clears throat> Pope Says Religions, All Religions, No Matter What They Are, Pope says religions must give a solid foundation for the UN's pro-abortion sustainable development goals. It's a mystery. Do I say he's not the Pope? I can't say that. I don't know that. Do I know he is the Pope? I don't know. he was elected, and, and many, most say he was validly elected. I don't know these things. I don't research them either. Um, as far as I know, he's the Pope. But here is his agenda. We, along with every other religion, we're no different. Catholics must give a solid foundation for the UN's pro-abortion sustainable development goals. It makes me physically ill to even read this to you. So pray for the Holy Father. 
pray for the church. And don't get discouraged. That's the enemy's uh, method to discourage us. Don't do that. I fight that. I, f- I fight it all the time, I'll tell you that. Um, because I know discourage- discouragement is never from God, and I won't give the enemy credit by giving in to whatever his wiles are. Um, but we need the only remedy for all of this is to live our faith as if it's true, because it is, and uh, in everything we do and in everything we don't do. We have an email from Mike. I think I've taken this uh, before, but it may have been on a program that we weren't able to complete, so I'll read it again. Mike says, good morning. Mother pointed out that a caller may need to decide whether it was appropriate to attend a wedding in a Catholic church since neither the bride or groom to be is practice. No, I, I don't think I did take this before. Let me let me read it again. Mother pointed out that a caller may need to decide whether it was appropriate to attend a wedding in a Catholic church since neither the bride or groom to be is practicing Catholic. Um, well, if neither the bride or groom is a practicing Catholic, I, I don't imagine why a priest would marry them. And the question is, would it be okay to attend this wedding if it was held outside of the Catholic Church, such as by a justice of the peace? Um, Wondering, since both are baptized Catholics, thank you, Mike. Mike, if it's not appropriate to attend their wedding in the Catholic Church, it's not appropriate to attend their wedding outside the Catholic Church. They may be baptized Catholics, but if they have fallen away from the faith, which they have done by their own choice, if they're not practicing, then they need to come back, they need to repent, they need to go to confession, they need to receive the sacraments and be rightly married in the church. Um, Catholics who, who are true Catholics should not be married outside the church. So no, um, it's not good to attend um, uh, a marriage outside the church that you could not attend inside the church. <clears throat> we have an email. Hold on now. Um, let me I ha- let me just go from the top here. From Thomas, who says, Dear Mother Miriam, I appreciate and admire your zeal for the Catholic faith. However, I, in good conscience cannot agree with your strict adherence to the Catholic traditions that are not capital T traditions, but small traditions. In addition, your teachings and commentary, whether said outright or implied about our current Pope and bishops, who are not in line with your interpretations, are leading people to confusion and quite possibly to leaving the true church of Christ, of Christ Jesus. Um, May our good Lord bless and keep you respectively and lovingly in Christ. Um, Well, uh, Thomas has attached a video um, from Catholic Answers on this, and Thomas, I'll, I'll come back to your question because I w- I'll need to see that video. I, I haven't seen it, and I certainly can't bring it up on the program. 
but um, in good conscience, you say, I cannot agree with your strict adherence to old Catholic traditions that are not capital T, but small t traditions. Well, um, I wish you'd give me, apart from the, whatever the video is that I'll watch, uh, I wish, Thomas, you'd call in or write another email and give me even one example of that, um, of a small t tradition, small t, not the traditions of God, but the traditions of man is what we're saying. Paul talks about the traditions of God that God himself has given, that Paul preached that are not optional in Second Corinthians, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. But the small t, meaning the traditions of man, um, uh, we're free to adhere to them, a strict adherence, but we're not bound by them. But I need you to give me an example. Um, for example, modesty that I often talk about. Um, is that a capital T tradition? I don't know. It is not. Is it a biblical admonition? It, it certainly is um, that we need to be modest. And so even though it's not a capital T tradition uh, as the assumption of our blessed mother, etc., um, it is a tradition of the church by spoken word, by the Bible, by scripture. And so if I urge women or wish to urge them to be modest, uh, I'm speaking from the encyclicals of popes and, uh, and again, as Jesus says, to be in the world and not of it. So I don't know exactly what you, you mean here. And you say, in addition, your teachings and commentary whether said outright or implied about our current Pope and bishops who are not in line with your interpretations are leading people to confusion and quite possibly to leaving the true church of Christ. Well, if my comments lead anybody to leave the church, the Catholic church, it's clear they don't know their faith. It is absolutely clear. No one leaves the church who knows what the church is and who knows their faith. My um, insistence on what is true and if the Pope or priests speak heresy or uh, or they are silent which is to me uh, uh, really bad because sheep, shepherds can't lead the sheep if they're silent um, sheep have no one to follow so that is either cowardice or uh, or whatever it is, I don't know the motives always, but um, uh, it cannot be, we cannot lead people into confusion or into leaving the church by speaking the truth. Um, your teachings and commentaries on our current Pope and bishops who are not in line with my interpretations, well, uh, no one needs to be in line with my interpretations. And if anyone leaves the church because of them, uh, that would be very foolish on their part. I'm speaking Catholic truth. Uh, and if what I speak is false, call me out on that. I want to be corrected always. Um, if my interpretations, so, so to speak, are false and do not align with Catholic teaching, tell me that but to make general statements like you're making without examples there thomas 
um, I don't know how to respond to that. You need to um, to give me examples. Uh, I will re- I will try to look at the video uh, from Catholic Answers, but I need you to tell me what your examples are. Uh, otherwise, I, I'm left in the dark here. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> we have an email from Mary. Mary writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I really enjoy listening to your show, especially since I returned to the Catholic Church after a long absence. Blessed be God, Mary, absence. Um, and welcome home, sweetheart. I'm, I'm, we're, we, I think all our listeners are cheering for you. And Mary says, I have so much to learn since I've been away. My husband, a good Christian man, is Protestant. <clears throat> he does not oppose my going to Mass, but insists I come to church with him first. He is an elder in his church. He also does not want anyone to know in his church that I am Catholic. I have respected his wishes. I am uneasy about his wish, but wonder what you would think about this. Should I continue to be an undercover Catholic at his church? We are both in our 60s, and our children are grown. Blessings to you, Mary. Mary, I see nothing wrong with your going to church with your Protestant elder husband, um, and even uh, that it's earlier than you go to your Catholic Mass, that's not an issue, as long as you go to Mass every Sunday without fail. Um, what you, you don't have to announce that you're Catholic. You don't have to do that. If anyone approaches you and says, you know, I saw you going to the Catholic Church down the street, whatever it is, are you Catholic? You need to sp- always speak the truth. You need to always speak the truth, but you don't have to announce it uh, to to um, your husband's uh, parishioners there. Just if you're in a situation and you're confronted, you say, yes, I'm Catholic. Um, and the other thing you must not do is receive communion, so-called, at your husband's church. When they serve communion in most Protestant churches, it's grape juice, and it's once a month, and... Uh, unleavened bread, matzah, for, for communion. It's symbolic. Do not take those. You must not take them because you would be lying. You would be taking communion while you're not in communion with him, and it would be a lie. And if you say, well, that would make things obvious, you need to deal with the consequences of that, and so does your husband. But do not participate in communion and never lie. We have an email from Anonymous who says, Dear Mother Miriam, I wish to share with you a conversation via email I had with my brother who lives in our country. My brother has nine children between the ages of 26 and 10 years odd, 10 years old rather. A couple of months ago, his eldest son moved his girlfriend into their home. I asked my brother as to whether he and his wife were still receiving Holy Communion. I told him that he was teaching his younger children that it was okay to be living together before marriage. His response surprised me. And after a couple of back and forth emails, I asked him if I could share it with you and have you respond to him. He agreed. This is his response to my question. 
quote, about two or three weeks ago after the 6 p.m. mass. Okay, there is the music for our final break, dear ones. Um, We will return to this. It's not that long uh, after the break and see if we can um, see if we can answer. Okay, God bless you, dear ones. Uh, There might be a minute or two for you to call, and we'll have 10 minutes after the break. You're welcome to do so um, at toll-free 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back. This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And third, Thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity, then onto praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Please join us in a prayer to our guardian angel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O holy guardian angel, take care of our soul and body. Enlighten our mind that we may know the Lord better and love him with all our heart. Help us in our prayers so that we may not give in to distractions. Assist us with your advice so that we may see the good and carry it out with generosity. Defend us from the insidious snares of the enemy and sustain us in temptations that we may always be victorious. Remedy our coldness in our worship of the Lord. Cease not to protect us until you have brought us into paradise where we will praise our good God together for all eternity. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes. Still time for you to call in if you wish. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to return to an email we began just before the break from one who writes it anonymously and says, excuse me, 
Dear Mother Miriam, I wish to share with you a conversation via email I had with my brother who lives in our country. My brother has nine children between the ages of 26 and 10 years old. A couple of months ago, his eldest son moved his girlfriend into their home. I asked my brother as to whether he and his wife were still receiving Holy Communion. I told him that it was teaching his younger children that it was okay to be living together before marriage. Well, to begin with, you're not asking me this, but um, uh, if his eldest son, if he allowed, if your brother allowed his eldest son to move in with his girlfriend, um, I'm guessing it, it was a financial issue. And uh, that would be okay if they had separate rooms and the family was being charitable to the girlfriend and she lived in a completely separate room and they didn't enter either anyone, their, one another's room, that would be okay. His response surprised me. Um, and after a couple of back and forth emails, I asked him if I could share it with you and have you respond to him. He agreed. This is his response to my question, quote, about two, so this is the eldest son's response, uh, about two or three weeks, oh no, this is his brother's response, excuse me, about two or three weeks ago, after the 6 p.m. mass, I, I'm guessing this is your brother, asked Margie, I'm guessing this is your son's girlfriend, you're not clarifying things here, um, so your brother said, about two or three weeks ago, I asked Margie, again, I'm guessing that's his eldest son's girlfriend, and her group to pray over me in church before the tabernacle for my throat problem. Well, to begin with, um, why would you ask Margie? And her group, I don't know who her group is, to pray over you in church before the tabernacle. Uh, you should ask a priest to do that for your throat problem. I don't know why you asked her. They prayed over me and visions were shown. It was also mentioned for me to ask Father that the next time I attend Mass to drink Jesus' blood from the chalice. So the next day, I approached Father and relayed the message from the praying over. He allowed me to drink from the chalice. When this happened, Joshua's girlfriend had already been living with us for some time. Uh, this is, uh, you know, dear one, this is really confusing. Um, you say your brother allowed his eldest son and wife to come and live with you and your children. Um, <clears throat> and I told my brother that by having um, the, his eldest son and, and girlfriend live with them, my brother was teaching his children that it was okay to be living together before marriage, which, of course, it is not, and he should not be. That's why I said if there is some dire situation uh, to protect the girlfriend, to take her in, um, whatever it is, it needs to be dire and temporary, then she should be in a guest room and nobody should enter that room but her. Um, 
And the, your response then, I, I'm probably mixing this up, but I don't know how else to interpret it. Your brother said to you that after the 6 p.m. mass, he said, I asked Margie. And again, I can only assume Margie is his son's girlfriend and her group to pray over me in church before the tabernacle for my throat problem again. I don't know who her group is. I don't know why you would ask that. Uh, You should have gone to the priest. They prayed over me and visions were shown. It was also mentioned for me to ask Father that the next time I, this is the brother that invited his eldest son into his home, the father, next time I attend Mass to drink Jesus' blood from the chalice. So the next day I approached Father and relayed the message from the praying event. He allowed me to drink from the chalice. When this happened, Joshua's girlfriend had already been living with us for some time. Whether the priest should have allowed you to drink from the chalice to heal your throat is debatable. Number one, if you have a bad throat, you should stay away from the chalice. But um, if you're a, a practicing Catholic in a state of grace, there's nothing sinful about it. He says, so if I am not allowed to receive Holy Communion, well, why aren't you allowed to receive Holy Communion? Then why did God say for me to drink from the chalice to cure my throat infection, knowing full well that Joshua's girlfriend has been staying with us? If the brother here is still talking, uh, I don't know why you say you're not allowed to receive Holy Communion. Um, If you're not allowed to receive Holy Communion, you should not have received our Lord's precious blood from the chalice, and the priest should not have given it to you. The fact that Uh, Joshua's girlfriend is staying with you um, does not make it impossible for you to receive Holy Communion uh, as long as you are not party to someone's sin. If his girlfriend, Margie and Joshua, are living together in your house, then you are in sin and you are allowing them to sin. And no, you should not receive Communion. But if she's in a guest room, and the whole situation is respectful, yes, you can receive Holy Communion. If you've got them together in the same room, then you are leading people into sin. And um, Jesus has very harsh words for those who lead people into sin, very harsh words. Um, um, And so that an albatross would be put around their neck and thrown into the ocean, that's very harsh. So if they are living separate, if they're not, if they're living together, you need to repent yourself. Go to confession and separate them. And if Margie won't live in a guest room, um, then she needs to be put out. It's very, very clear. And if Joshua goes with her, that's fine. Um, if they're kissing or hugging in the house, they need to be put out. They must not have that behavior in the house before your children. Their hands need to be kept to themselves and the relationship utterly respectful. Um, And uh, you said you responded by saying visions and messages aside, what do you understand about the church's teaching on cohabitation? It's sinful outside of marriage. It's grave. It's a grave sin. It's mortal sin. And if two people who claim to be Catholics are cohabiting 
outside of a valid marriage, they are in mortal sin and on their way to hell. And if they don't repent and they die in that state, they will be in hell for eternity. It's very, very, very serious. So Joshua, uh, if he's with his girlfriend, he needs to repent, come back to the church in order to receive communion. And the girlfriend, if she claims to be Catholic, must do the same. Um, so um, uh, visions and messages in front of the tabernacle, I can't trust that at all. Uh, I have no idea if that's from God or from Satan. I have no idea. I don't know the situation clearly. So I hope that's been of help. And if not, write another email or call in with clarity. There's the music for the end of our program, dear ones. God bless you. Live the faith without compromise. We'll speak with you tomorrow, God willing.